Good morning, Christ Church. Good to be with you today. Have you ever had a, a thought in your mind that, <laughs> great. We'll start there today. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be that kind of sermon, huh? Uh, but have you ever had a, a thought in your mind that was very present and very real, and then after some time or some thinking or some counsel from others, you're like, man, that was not a good thought. But when it was in your mind, it just, it wasn't that it was good or bad, it just seemed true. And then when you got perspective or you got distance or you got new insight, you're like, man, that was not a good thing that was lodged in my mind, but at the time it seemed true. I don't know if you can identify with that, but, but I could think uh, probably like a couple years ago, I was sort of in a season where, you know, just everything just felt tough. You know, a, a lot of times it's not just one thing, it's like the combination of a couple things, you know? If life just throws a jab, you can kind of take it, but when it's like a jab, a cross, and an uppercut, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes that's what, it, it's not the one, it's, it's the combination together. And, and I was just, and it was just kind of, nothing was like significantly difficult, but it was like three or four difficult things together. And at that season, I just, I had this thought that started to creep in my mind, and it was, no one can help you. And the reason I was thinking that is because, like, you know, every one of our struggles is unique. There's nuances to it. There's angles to it, right, that, that are very personal and unique to you. And so, so as I was going through that season, I was like, that, that made sense to me. That made sense that, like, all right, you know, I've, I've got to figure this out. I don't think anyone can really help me do it. Now that I'm a little removed from that, I'm like, that is one dangerous thought right there. And I don't know if you've ever thought something like that. I don't know if you've ever been there. I don't know if you've ever caught yourself in, in those moments in life. And, you know, kind of, I think God sort of helped pull me out of that. It was kind of like, hey, Chad, actually there's this person and this person and this person and this person and this person, and they can all help you. And they can all help you in, in different ways. And what I want to talk to you today is, about is I really believe that our purpose in this life and our ability to navigate this life, it's got to be a journey we go on together. And I don't mean that in a cl cliche way. You know, I know we, we can kind of talk about and we can like say those things superficially, but, but I really mean it. I really believe that, that God's purpose for your life, you can't figure it all out alone. And you cannot fulfill it alone. And we're going to look today in the book of Acts, we're going to continue looking at that, and, and we're going to see how, how God just uses this community, this group of people to do some awesome things that glorify his name. But the more that I've been reading and thinking about this book of Acts, the more that it is just jumping out to me, the power of relationships and, and the intimate connection that they have in our own personal walk and journey with God. So we're going to talk about that today, but before we do, let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord, and, and I pray for uh, these good people here in the room, these good people watching online, Father. I pray just a special 
blessing would come to anyone who just feels like they're fighting a hard battle alone. And I pray, Lord, that they would know you're with them, that you always have others that are there to support us. We just don't always see it or know it. And I pray you'd give them strength. I pray you'd give them endurance. I pray you'd give them well-being. And for all of us, Lord, help us to see that the great adventure and journey of life that you have for us is about being together. And it's about figuring out what you're, what you're calling us to do and helping each other to live it and fulfill it, Lord. Help us to see the beauty and power of this in the early church and, and help us to take one step closer to it today. We ask all this in the great name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're going to look at the book of Acts. We've been jumping around here today, and I've just got a, a couple verses for you. So this can be a very quick, short sermon. You'll be out of here in no time. Uh, but here it is, Acts chapter 13, and I'm going to read to you, start at, at verse 1. And if you remember that the book of Acts, it's, it's this history of the early church, of the, the early movement of Christianity and what it looked like and what happened and all these great people and stories. Um, and here we are at another one, and it says this. Now, there was in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now, just to give you a, a little context to these verses, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, we've seen that as the early church started, they encountered a lot of hostility in the world. And we, we've seen them get threatened, we see them get beaten, we saw one of them get killed. And so as all this you know, hostility against them ramped up, the church kind of spread out. And it became this incredible thing where they thought they were stopping and squashing the movement of Jesus, but they were actually accelerating it. And so here what we see is that now this place, Antioch, which is kind of modern-day, like, southern Turkey. Um, so th this place, Antioch, it was, it was a thriving ancient city. You know, it was uh, up and coming, had a lot of business, a lot of opportunities, things like that. So the church kind of uh, began to become very strong in that place. And there were these church leaders, and, and it's a very interesting list here. They're very diverse culturally, ethnically, but yet they're, they're all together serving and worshiping God. And it says this, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Now, these are very simple verses, but there's a lot of subtle and powerful ideas in these verses. And the first thing that I just want you to see is that from the very beginning, Christianity was incredibly diverse. Now, the names listed, they, they might not strike you, but, but basically, these are leaders from different parts of Africa, from different parts of Asia Minor, from different parts of the Middle East. So, so th this is an unlikely group that has been brought together. 
So they've come from different nationalities, different ethnicities, but, but yet they've found this incredible unity in the work of God. And I want to tell you today that, believe it or not, Christianity is the, the most diverse and unifying movement in the world. And that, that, is, that has been true since its very beginning, but that's actually true today as well. You just might not fully be aware of it. In fact, today, you might be surprised to know that the fastest growing uh, churches and Christian movement is in Iran. Who would have guessed that one? That, that's the fastest growing movement of Christianity today in 2023. You might be interested to know that today there are as many Christians in America, in the West, as there are in Africa, as there are in China. They're, they're, all, they're all about equal. But here's what's really fascinating. Either Africa or China in the next 10 years is going to be the most Christian in the world. Um, and some, you know, China's hard to tell because there's a lot of government censorship and stuff, so getting the exact numbers is difficult. But, but either way, in the next 10, 20, or 30 years, uh, the movement of Christianity is expected to just spread wildly. So when you say, you know, wh what, what is a Christian? Where do they come from? What do they look like? What culture are they part of? It's a really hard thing to answer right now. Because it's in all these different parts of the world, all these different cultures, bringing all different kinds of people together. And how cool and powerful is that? And from the beginning, that's what we see here in the book of Acts. Because here's what I believe. God has a remarkable way for his grace to find us wherever we're at in far off places and bring us exactly where he wants us. See, that there, there is no, you know, one type of person or situation that, that God reaches. God reaches into all kinds of people's lives and all kinds of situations. If you've ever felt like you are beyond the reach of God for some reason or another, I want to tell you, you could not be more wrong. Not saying that in a mean way, I'm just saying God's grace, it, there's a unique grace for each of our unique difficulties and challenges in life. And, and he meets us where we're at, different continents, different places, different life situations, and, and his grace meets us in that unique difficulty. Uh, several years ago, I got this cool opportunity to go to the Louisville Slugger. Factory and museum. This is cool. I even have a bat with my name on it. It's a collector's edition, man. It's the only one. The Chet Beatler bat. Uh, so, anyway. Sorry to brag, but I couldn't help myself. But when I was at, so it was a, this was a, one, this was a really cool tour because the, the owner of the company at the time, I don't know if he still is, but, but he gave us a tour. So, like, he kind of, he really showed us everything. I got to hold, like, I think it was, like, Ted Williams' bat. Got to hold, like, some big, I couldn't hold Babe Ruth's bat. That was in, like, a glass case. But I got to do some cool stuff. But one of the things that, that he showed was how, you know, major league players, how they make their bats and, and how they specify them. 
to their exact needs, you know? And, it, and it's so, there's so much fine detail. You kind of think about a bat like, all right, that's a pretty simple thing. It's just, how long do you want it, you know? But, but they, have, they have all kinds of, you know, the handles, how thick they are, the type of wood, how it feels on their hands, all these intri- intricate things. And they, and they craft the bat for that person's grip, exactly how they need it to perform. And when I think about God's work in our life, in your life and my life, I see that God does that same thing for us. His grace just meets the, the needs and, and the struggles and the, and the challenges of our life in just that special, perfect way that we need in our life. But you know what is also beautiful about God's grace is God's grace meets us there, but it never leaves us there. I was, I've been reading this great book on happiness, and the author defines empathy and compassion as two very different things. And he says that, that empathy is, you know, kind of, we understand empathy, it's, it's to, to see life from someone else's shoes, right? To kind of, to, to be able to, to try to feel what they feel and um, see, you know, the struggle from their perspective and, and all that kind of thing. And, and he says that empathy actually has some dangers to it. And the dangers to it are that you can get, you can get too absorbed in, in the pain and hurt of others, and then you're, you know, you're carrying that with you, and it's not really yours to carry. You know? So it can kind of have some damaging effect on you. But the other side of it is that sometimes people need something from you that might be more painful in the moment, but good for them in the long run. You with me? Like sometimes we need someone to kind of say, all right, like time to move on and make some different choices and, you know, time to like, hey, get up and try something different or, or whatever. And so, you know, we're, we're, it, that can be hard when we're in that place. So he talks about compassion as being able to, to see and acknowledge but having enough distance that we can truly be helpful, right? Because sometimes you have to tell people what they need to hear, not what they want to hear, right? Now, not all the time. You can go too far in that, right? Uh, there's, there's a balance to all these things. But he says, but that's what compassion is. And when I was thinking about this, I thought, man, that's how God works in our life. He is compassionate. He meets us exactly where we're at, but he then calls us to something different. He calls us to be something different. And sometimes I love the idea of God's grace meeting me right here, but sometimes God's compassion, I'm like, eh, I'll pass on that, Lord, because I just really want to stay here. And Lord, my pity party's not over yet. I've still got a run in it, but, but God is a compassionate God. He, he meets us in, in his grace, but then he, he calls us, and, and he moves us from where we are to where he knows is truly best for us. And when I think about the story of all these people together, I just I, we don't get all their individual stories. We get some of them. If you've been reading along through the book of Acts which I'm sure you have this week. You're probably right here on Acts chapter, 
I don't know why you guys are laughing right now. Uh, Acts chapter 13. But if you've been reading along, you, you've seen some of these stories. We've seen the story of Saul, how God met him. And Saul was this guy who was completely against the, the mission of Christianity and the work of the gospel. But yet God met him on the road. And, and Saul's a guy where you kind of see that idea of compassion. God, God was uh, kind of rough with him in a way. But that's what Saul needed. You know, he seems extremely hard-headed, like maybe some of us here today. I don't know. I'm not pointing fingers. Uh, or maybe me. I don't know. But, but, but God reached him and brought him. And each of these men, each of these people, would have a different story, a different way that God's met them, and God's changed them. And then God's brought them to this new place with this new purpose to serve and to glorify his name. Just one thing that came up in my mind as I was thinking about this is if, if you are a follower of Christ today, it, it stands out to me that many times the way that God reaches you becomes part of your purpose and how God wants to work through you and reach others. You know, for, for me, when, um, when I became a follower of Christ, it was just walking into a church, hearing the message of the gospel very clearly, very simply. There's nothing kind of, you know, fancy and just kind of growing from that point. And, and so for me, like, I have such a passion for the church uh, because that's how God reached me. You know, that, that was the way. But I've met other people who God reached them on a mission trip, and they have that same passion for mission trips or uh, at a summer camp, or I've known people in the military that God used that and reached them, and they, and they have a passion for that. But I would just encourage you to, if you're a follower of Jesus today, to think about how God has brought you to where you are today, because if you're thinking about your purpose and how God wants you to use you, that might be a key to understanding it. And so here's these guys that we see, they get brought together, and they were, they were reached in, in different ways, but, but kind of probably similar ways, where the early church was going out to these cities, and they were bringing the gospel, and they were, you know, just sort of doing this very missionary-oriented work. And we're going to see they continue that because I think that's been part of their story. And so this goes on. Now, here's the second thing I want you to see, that this, God brings them together, and there's a unity to them. There, there's, there's a depth to them. And how do I know that? Because they're worshiping and praying and fasting together. When, when you are doing that with people, there's a real powerful intimacy to that. If you've ever prayed with people, that is like one of the most vulnerable and intimate things you can ever do. And in fact, if you want to deepen, uh, or, or maybe you're going through a hard time with uh, marriage or family, make time in your week this week, say, we're going to pray together. And you can be uncomfortable and awkward prayers still get through. You, you can do that, and may, you may not have all the right things to say. You may, it may be pushy, but, but, but there's an intimacy, and there's a power in that. And, and these guys are doing that. And so that there, there's a depth to their relationship. And relationships that are meaningful in life are not easy, but they're worthwhile. 
And here's what I mean by that. If, if you want and I want meaningful relationships in our life, to cultivate those is not easy, but it's worth it. Married people, is marriage easy? You mean you don't wake up every day and are like, God, just thank you one more time. You know, one more time that, that we met at, at the movie theater. Uh, right, there, there's, there's challenge to it, but, but it's worth it, right? And hey, the highs are high and the lows are low. Amen? But you, but you wake up and you keep putting a foot in front of the other because you know like this, this, is, this is worth it. Parents, are your kids always easy and enjoy them? <laughs> if they're sitting next to you, it's okay. You can lie right now. Oh, my gosh. I know it's harder for others, but I've been so blessed. It's cool. It's good. <laughs> no, but, but it's worth it, right? It's worth it. Uh, and, and we all know these things, you know? We, we, all, we all embrace that. And yet, you know, in, in our walk with God, our friendships um, are going to be the same way. There's, there's going to be difficulty. There's, there's going to be challenge. They're worth it, but they're not easy. Arthur Brooks is a uh, Harvard professor, and he defines happiness as these three words. I know no one probably wants to be any happier in here today, but just in case you do, uh, here's, here's the way. He says happiness is a combination of enjoyment, satisfaction, and meaning. Enjoyment, satisfaction, and meaning. And he defines each of these terms. Enjoyment is not pleasure. Because pleasure is like a, it, it's an empty bucket. You know, you, you have a pleasurable experience and you're like, that's cool. Doesn't last that long. Then you need a new one. And then you need to keep raising it up, right? Um, enjoyment it could have an element of pleasure, but here's what it also has. It has community in it. I'm sorry, enjoyment. It has pleasure with community. So it's like Thanksgiving dinner. There's pleasure. There's those mashed potatoes and gravy. Amen. There's the green bean casserole. Anybody? I love those things. There's baked corn. Not, not hitting any of these today. Well, maybe y'all don't like, maybe you hate Thanksgiving. I don't know. But, but, it's, but it's, the, it's the enjoyment of, you know, the, the pleasure. But then what really makes it? The people, right? The experience together. So, so enjoy, there's a depth to it. It, it requires community. Uh, satisfaction is where you're doing something that is meaningful, but you have to suffer a little bit for it. So if you take a test at school and you get an A, but you cheated, it's not really that rewarding, right? If you take a test for school and you study really hard and then you get an A, you're like, man, that felt good, right? Well, wh what's the difference? There's a little suffering connected to it. You stayed up. You studied. You fell asleep at your desk. You know, you, you put a little uh, elbow grease into it. And then meaning is, is about things in our life that, that truly bring meaning. But, but here's what he says about meaning. Meaning is often connected to suffering. That we really find and clarify uh, the meaning of our life 
through times of difficulty and pain. So here's, here's what's interesting about this, if you can see it, that, that all of these things require a certain level of difficulty and a certain level of willingness to suffer for a greater goal. And here's, here's, I think, one of the difficulties in our culture is that anything that's painful and hard, we're like, I'm out. I'm out. I don't want it. Where's the easy way? And, and, and I think we're, you know, we, we struggle with our ability. Anything that's painful in my life, my life I got to numb it. I got to numb it. I, I can't. I can't experience it, I can't embrace it, and, and we, we kind of want to get away from it, but, but here's, here's the reality. That is the pathway to what you're really looking for and what I'm really looking for. And relationships are, are the same way, church. Yeah, they're, 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 they're not easy. They're, there's difficulty to it, you know? We're all people. Did you know that? <laughs> There's great parts of who we are. There's not so great parts. The early church, these guys weren't perfect. The one they worshipped was perfect. Everybody else in that room was like us. You know, they had their good days and their bad days, but, but, there were, but it was worth it, church, right? It, it was worth it to figure out how can we be together? How can we grow together? How can we... Um, open our hearts. And I really believe, this has been, man, through this series, this has really been on my heart. I really believe that, that the loneliness in our lives is creating so much pain and damage. And the antidote to it is to open our lives for meaningful friendships that God wants to bring to us. I really believe that, that God wants to bring people in our lives, in your life and my life, uh, that, that have value to add for his kingdom. And you have value to add for them, too. And, and, and it's not easy, and none of us have the time for it, because we're all busy, and we're doing a million things. But church, I'm telling you, we've got to begin to see our lives differently. At the end of the day, you know, when you die, work is going to go right, all, right along without you. There might even be someone better. Oh. Sorry. All these things are going to pass on. But, but it's, it's the relationships that matter. Amen? And we know that. We, we know that in, in one part of our soul. But then the other part of our soul is like, but no, I'm chasing after all these things, and I don't have time for that. And I just want to encourage you to, to look at your life and for me to look at my life and to say, all right, Lord, what, what are the priorities that you have for me? I think a satisfying life is a life with others. It really is. And I think, I think every, all the difficulty in our world, it, it's pushing all of us more into this space of loneliness and isolation, and our souls are suffering for it. And so I just want to encourage you and encourage me that, man, we, we've got to think about the big picture of our lives and, and, and think about 
the relationships and, and the people that God wants to bless us with and the people that you're going to be that blessing in their life. And, and how, do I, how do I cultivate that more through the rhythms and patterns of my life? You with me on this, church? And thank you, nobody is. All right, let's move on. But, <laughs> but uh, that, that was your amen moment right there. Thank you. Okay, I'll take, I'll take the, uh, this mercy one. Um, but I want you to, to seriously think about that, and, and, and I do too, because at the end, again, at the end of the day, man, Jesus himself says, here's what it's about. Love others and love God. Love God first and love others. And yet, in some ways, that's one of the most difficult things to do, amen? It's so incredibly challenging. Um, all right, so just a couple more things about this, and then I'll, I'll stop beating this horse here. Uh, <laughs> but worship, prayer, so they, they worship, pray, and fast together. And just on the side, if you are in a season of life where you want clarity, nothing like prayer and fasting will bring you that clarity. Those are not easy things to do and commit to, but just on the side, if that's on your heart, go ahead and, and think about that. Then notice this, that during that time of prayer, they get that clarity from God. You know, are, are they looking for it? We don't even really know, but, but it just kind of happens. Set Barnabas and Saul aside for the work of God. As they're seeking God, as they're praying and fasting, the Holy Spirit just somehow makes it evident, hey, these two, set them aside for my work. And the church is like, all right, we'll do it. And I just think it's a cool picture of how God is always activating and expanding the giftedness of his people. What I love about this early church is who's in charge here? No idea. <laughs> right? Who's, who, who, who's the main guy? No idea. It, it's such, it's such a, a multitude of people's gifts, each serving God as they're called with the gifts and opportunity. And they're, and they're listening to God's direction. And they're going forward and doing it. And I want each of us to be open to how God might be stirring in our heart. Tina said uh, that we're, we're doing an all-church emphasis, that's what we call it, uh, in October. And we're going to be studying these eight qualities that help us to grow in Christ. Um, and they're really great stuff. We're going to be using uh, a book by Charles Swindoll called So You Want to Be Like Christ. And our intention is to just get our church all thinking and praying and learning about these things together at, at, at every campus. And we want to create more opportunity for groups and community. And some of you, I want you to consider, man, is God stirring in me to maybe lead one of those? We'll have good training. We'll have good resources. Um, you know, we'll, we'll support you. It's six weeks. It has a beginning and an end point. It's not, you know sign in blood until your last breath type of, although I'm a fan of that type of ministry, but it's not that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, but it's, it's, you know, um, there's a, it's a six-week commitment. But here's the deal. 
I believe that, that some of us, man, maybe we've done it before, maybe we've never done it before. But if God's putting that on your heart, you know, take a chance and do it. Don't do it out of guilt. Don't do it out of obligation. Don't do it out of manipulation. But if it's something that you feel is Holy Spirit-led, then that could be a great opportunity. Or maybe God's Spirit leading you to do something else. That's awesome. Because wherever he's leading you, it's going to be a good place. But notice this. Just let me point out one last thing. Notice how vague this call is. Can I just read it to you one more time here? Look at this. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Um, Okay, Lord, what work is that? The work I've called them. Where do you want them to go? What do you want them to do? When do they start? When do they stop? What's the, how many hours a week is this going to be? What, the, the, there's not a lot of detail here, amen? <laughs> set, set apart. There, there's a lot of uh, ambiguity, if you will. And if you're waiting for God to show up in your life and to give you that 800-page, you know, detailed life map and his plan, I think you're going to be waiting a long time. There's a vagueness to this call, isn't there? And I don't know, if you've taken steps with God, doesn't this make sense? It's like the Lord, he, he doesn't always, you know, doesn't always give you exact coordinates. He just gives you a direction. And sometimes he doesn't even give you that. Abraham, God said to him, Abraham, start walking. Which way? Which way, Lord? I'm, I, I'm good to do that. But if I go this way, I go into Lake Erie. If I go that way, I go to Toledo. Which way? South to Columbia? And the Lord's like, just start walking. You're like, great. But, you know, but he does. And, and many times, you know, God's call, there can be a vagueness to it. But here's what you need to focus on. Just do the next right thing. That's it. Martin Luther King, he has a great quote. He says that, that faith is not seeing the whole staircase. It's just seeing the next step. And you take that step. And God will get you to where he wants you to be, church. Each of us. But sometimes faith is about moving in the midst of uncertainty, of not having all the details, everything figured out, but just going with the Lord the best that we can. Now, I want to share with you one last verse from Acts 13 here, because this was on my heart a lot this week. And if you read the rest of Acts 13, you see what this ends up looking like. Man, and it's a cool adventure. They're going around, they're preaching. You're going to see, you know, sometimes it goes well, sometimes it doesn't go that great. That's how preaching goes, by the way. Uh, you know, and there's, there's a lot of ups and downs, but, but, but God's moving in it, and God's growing them, and God's doing this. But in one of the messages that they give to this town in, uh, around this area in, in southern Turkey, Paul says this in his message. He's, he's talking about the history of the Old Testament, and he says, he raised up David, talking about God, God raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. A man after my heart who will do all my will. And I have just been 
ruminating on that line all week long. I was listening to a, uh, an interview of a guy named Bo Nickel. He was one of the best college wrestlers as of late, and he wrestles at Penn State. And Penn State's like the best college wrestling team by far in, in the last decade. And the interviewer, he said, what makes, how is this team, because they used to just be very, very ordinary, and now they're amazing. He said, what, what has made that happen? What is it about the culture? And he said, well, we focus on three things. What we want, effort, and gratitude. What we want, effort, and gratitude. We know what we want. We know what, what is, matters to us, what aligns to us. Then we work hard. We put effort, but we work hard with a grateful heart. And I was like, that is so good. That is so good. And then I was thinking about this verse. And what, you, what, what do I really want in life? Well, I've got a pretty detailed list, you know. There might be a motorcycle on there, some of those type of things. But when I really push for deeper, here's what I want. I want to be a man after God's own heart that God can do all his will through. God, whatever you want to do through my life, I want that too. <laughs> that, that's what I, what I truly want, and that's what I know really matters. Effort and gratitude. You got to work to be that. You got to think about it. You got to wake up every day and say, all right, Lord, help me to be a man after your own heart. There's got to be some effort connected to it. It cannot just be a thought alone. There's got to be action with it. And gratitude. I'm terrible at gratitude. But I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to, to be more thankful for what God has done and what, what God is doing. And, and today, I just want to encourage you. What would it look like for each of us to just seriously say, God, help me to be a man after your own heart. Help me to be a woman after your own heart. Lord, I want to be the type of person that everything you want to do through me, you can do. God, there's people you want to bless. There's people you want to help. There's people you want me to love. There's people you want me to befriend. There's people you want me to serve. There's changes in my mind and heart you want to make. And I want to be a willing partner in all of that. I want to I wanna be as committed to it as you are. I want to be a man after your own heart, a woman after your own heart. And today, I just want you to consider making that a prayer, making that an, an ambition in you and in me, and just saying, Lord, help me today to be that man after your own heart. Help me to be that woman after your own heart. And here's just one thing I want to encourage you with. Whether... <laughs> we are that person every day or not, I want you to know God treats you as if you are that person. Here, here's what I mean. Whether today you go from here and you lose sight of that and you're not a man or woman after God's own heart, you know, you're angry, you're snapping at this person or that, whatever. We have those days. Whether you live up to it or not, God still treats you as if you are 
perfectly committed to him, even when you're not perfectly committed to him. How and why does he do that? Here's the simple reason. Because he treats you as if you live the, the life Christ lived. That when Christ died for us, it's not only that he takes our sins, but it's also that we're clothed in his righteousness. Today, God is looking to bless you as if you are a person who has always been fully committed to him. God loves you as if you are a person who has always perfectly loved him. God's planning his future for you as if you were a person that was always perfectly faithful to him. That's how he treats you. And so church today, when you think about that, when I think about that, why wouldn't we want to give him more of our heart? Why wouldn't we want to give a God like that who has already said, son or daughter, there's no amount of love I could love you with more than what I love you with right now. Yeah, oh yeah, that counts for those days that you're trying to forget. That counts for those days where you're full of excuses. That counts for those days where you're full of anger or ego or hate or selfishness. or what, It counts for all of those days. My love doesn't change because his love is based on what Christ did for us, not what we do for him. And today, we can live in that place. We can serve him from that place. We can pursue him from that place. Let's pray. Father, help us today. Lord, I believe that every person here, I believe the cry of our heart is, man, help us to be people after your own heart. God, we need each other to do that. We need each other's strength. We need each other's wisdom. We need each other's support. And we need to give to each other, Lord. God, help us. Help us today, Lord. Just help us to see that, that Lord, your love, it's fully for us right now. Father, maybe some of us walked into this room and, and we kind of, man, we, we question in our soul whether you care for us. We question in our soul whether we've been good enough. We worry that maybe we've been too bad. But Lord, today, help us to see the beauty and power of the gospel. That, Father, it's about what you have done. Lord, your love was not created by us, but you gave it to us through Christ. And you love us, Lord, in a way that continues to transform and change us. Help us, Father, to just respond to that with a heart that just says, I want all that you want to do through my life. I want to be a willing partner with you. I want to walk with you. I want to see your plans as good and your purpose as right. And Lord, help us to live that day by day. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.